Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey, yes, welcome back, folks, once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 147 for November the 13th, 2019. I'm your host, Jack, and once again, I'll be guiding you into, through, and back out of the worlds of systems administration, network administration, and yes, all fields of IT. Please check out my website, and I hope that you do so at tipsfromtheserverroom.com, where you can comment on these shows. You can also drop me an email at tipsfromtheserverroom at gmail.com. And for the very best Windows education, Windows Server 2012, please check out jtclearning.com. That's jtclearning.com. You can sign up and you can actually learn right away. Tonight, since I am nicely dressed here and... Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, fixing my tie, and if you're watching the video on YouTube, you will see that. Uh, you can check out the video at 42Technoman on YouTube, or search for Jack's Tech Corner. And don't forget, you can also sign up for an account at jackstechcorner.com, and pick up all my um, writings and, and different things I post on there. I do post some how-tos and some stuff if I find at work that... I'm having an issue, then, you know, I'll, I'll type it up and I'll share it with everybody because then what's nice about that is just kind of a way to pay it forward. So, yep, I am alive and in living color tonight on YouTube. And you may be wondering, Jack, why is that? You haven't done a YouTube video for quite some time, uh, some shows back. Video is a lot more um, time uh, constraints, I guess. There's a lot more to do with video than there is just for audio. Audio is straightforward, right? I can record the audio podcast. I use a program called, uh, uh, it's called Feeder on the Mac, and uh, it's really easy to, to upload it to my site, post it, and do all the stuff I have to do with the, uh, with the audio content. Video content does take a little bit more effort, but, you know, I'm nicely dressed today. And you might be thinking, Jack, why are you in a tie? Why, Of all things, why are you wearing a tie? Well, today at work, I was able to teach uh, a class. And it was on uh, uh, passwords and security. So I thought tonight we will talk a little bit about passwords and security. And I also have a treat for you here. If you watch the video on YouTube, the um, I have a Windows Server 2016 installation up. And I'm going to show you a little bit around uh, about what we're going to talk about. So there'll be some uh, actual demonstrations tonight, too. So I hope this all really uh, works out for us. The beer tonight is called Fat Tire. Once again, it's an amber L. I'll hold it up right to the camera so you can see it if you are watching the video. But uh, it's a very, very good uh, amber L. Yes, I'm, I'm really... Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm kind of in love with this beer. It's really a good beer after a hard day at work. So today, um, I, well, let me back up a little bit. First of all, I was tasked at work, and I think I told you about this a few video, uh, a few podcasts ago. We discussed a little bit, maybe. 
but I am now the HIPAA security officer. So the company paid for the HIPAA training and I had to go through the security courses and I became HIPAA security certified. What does that mean? That simply means that now I am certified that I can actually tell other people what they should do and what they shouldn't do with, with HIPAA regulations or uh, at least around the security of their computers and digital uh, content. So it's a pretty good course. It was, it was well worth it. It was, it was really well worth the time and the effort. I really enjoyed that course. So tonight, as I said, we are going to be talking about security and what does that mean for your company or your school? And uh, going through this course, I found security to be, you know, even more than what we think of technologists, right? A technologist thinks of security as uh, password security. We think of our firewalls. We think of our networks. We think of our servers. We don't want those hacked at any time. Uh, we think of maybe our internal applications. We don't want those to be hacked at any time because personal information can get out there on people. Um, and I told you before, we I do work for a marketing research firm at this point, and we do marketing research on a lot of medical-type uh, devices. And with those devices, we have to deal with uh, patients, not so much patients with us, but uh, their medical condition. So whenever you're looking at medical condition and patient names or anything to identify that person, then you're falling into that, that HIPAA regulation where you have to be very careful of that stuff. And I can tell you a few things there that there is uh, some misconceptions about. The one misconception is basically wrapped around uh, if it's written. If it's written down you know, do you really have to secure that as well? Well, let me tell you this. If you write something down and you don't destroy it properly, then that could be a HIPAA violation. So what I mean by that is if a hospital or if you're even uh, your company, say your company, I know a lot of companies have uh, in-house uh, nursing staff and uh, or maybe you do something like we do. You do medical uh, research or you're in a school and you have a nurse that's writing nursing records down. If those records are taken out back and tossed in the dumpster and those records are just uh, basically laying there for anybody to go dumpster diving, then you do have a problem. Uh, that will be a HIPAA violation. Even though it's written and it's not in digital format, so you think of HIPAA security as the, you know, the securing of digital content but the writing of anything down can also put you in jeopardy and put your company or your school district at a, at a position where you're going to get fined for something um, for violating HIPAA. So that's something to really, really think about. So as I said, today we were teaching, or I was teaching, a password course. And passwords are becoming more and more complex as hackers become better and better at their skills. Now, if you're interested in um, my PowerPoint presentation, by all means, just ask me and I will send it to you. You can use it for your company. You, it's very easy to go through. And uh, what I started off with, though, was a video on how passwords are hacked. And I thought this was very important because it taught you on there of how the passwords are, are saved, right, into most backend uh, that databases for the better term, that's basically all they are, um, you know, being that they're hashed. 
And I'm sure you as a technologist understand what hashed passwords are. And they were talking about MD5. Of course, there's many other hashing schemes out there. So the hashing scheme, what our people didn't really understand was the one-way hashing scheme. So it said, it talked a little bit about using a password test12345. So when you put test12345 into your um, uh, password filled, that is actually saved as, a, as an MD5 hashed uh, uh, code, right? So that code can never be read backwards. We can't decipher that code and turn it back into the normal English language or whatever password you're using, uh, the standard text password. But they didn't really understand that it's basically for the machine. So when you type in test12345 and you hit submit, that goes to the backend server and it's, it's, it sees it in the database or in the password um, database. And it knows that that is the proper password. But we can't take that MD5 hashtag and revert that back. So now they did show uh, a standard uh, password hack where you can have, um, it's called rainbow table. So the rainbow tables are set up where commonly known hashes are put out there with commonly known passwords. So if you run that, and you have a, a, a you know a database full of hashed passwords. You may hit a couple where it would it would decipher those and give you the common text. It's not really deciphering it backwards. It's just these are common known ones, and people create that list called a rainbow table. And you can find those if you do a search on the internet. So I think it opened a lot of eyes today. I think a lot of people said, "Wow, Jack, that's that's pretty informative." Uh, they were really excited about it. And um, they were more excited about me and my tie. And they said, why'd you wear a tie? I said, because I'm teaching. And when I teach, I want to look like a teacher, right? Makes a lot of sense. Anyway, so there's some uh, simple thoughts about passwords. This is what I was teaching today. We have on the server, well, I turned on complex password, right? So it's a minimum of eight characters. They have to have a capital letter, a punctuation mark, lowercase letters, and a number somewhere in their password. Now, the more research I did for this course today and the more talking I did with other uh, network administrators to say, look, what do you do? How can we change this? Is there an easier way uh, to have a secure password? So what I taught today, folks, and I don't know if you use this or not, was pass phrases. So a pass phrase is basically just a sentence. And here's what nobody knew. Nobody knew that you can use spaces in your password. With every space, you increase the probability of that password being cracked. And we were testing a lot of these. You can increase the possibility of being uh, that password being hacked. Uh, like each space can almost be an extra century uh, of how long it would take to decipher that password. So I, there's no way on the server, and I looked and I've been asking around, there's no way on Windows Server to say, look, we're going to use passphrases. The best you can do is a complex password. Um, our minimum is still set to eight, but I also taught people don't ever use the minimum, right? You should never use uh, just the smallest amount. We should always talk about, um, you know, using more characters. I don't know why this mic is popping here. Maybe it's my headset. 
But uh, no, let me take the headset off for right now. Maybe that'll be a better solution. So anyway, it, that's a straightforward way of doing that. So uh, now let's move from passwords. Oh, wait. Okay, so we talked about um, password. Oh, we also talked today about password managers. And I don't know if you're into password managers or not. Um, I like using a password manager. And I showed him how the password manager, like LastPass or 1Pass or one of those password managers, can generate strong passwords. And I also said, tell your people never to use a strong, don't let it generate that really encrypted password and think you're going to use that every day to log on to your computer. I like to use uh, the, you know, the strong encrypted generated passwords for websites. That's a really good place to do that. We also talked about two-factor authentication, which I don't know if we ever talked about on this show. When I first started the company, I told you we were migrating to Office 365. If you migrate to Office 365, there's a very simple way that you turn on two-factor authentication for all of your users. And it's very simple to do, and I would suggest that you do it. So the CEO of our company, when I was sitting with him when I first started, and we were looking to migrate the email from the Exchange server on-premise to Office 365, I said, well, let's talk about two-factor authentication. And he's heard of the term. He didn't really understand it. So I said, look, does everybody in our company have a cell phone? Yes, yep, we're pretty sure everybody in the company has a cell phone of some sort. We have a couple of people with flip phones, believe it or not. So with those cell phones, we were able to have them, when they first logged in, they had to type their cell phone number in, and now Office 365 will prompt them, will we'll send them a code and ask for that code to be entered for their two-factor authentication. So it's, it's really important. It's free to turn it on. The second thing we were asked um, by uh, Microsoft and we were talking to the folks there was, do you want to use encrypted emails? Uh, and it's really kind of uh, funky, I guess, how it works. You almost have to be a technologist to figure it out because it comes up to you and there's, there's a link. And it says, download this link. You download the link and then you have to go to the link and open it up in a browser and it can give you a one-time password or you can log in with your Microsoft 365 account. So if you get that one-time password, it emails you that one-time password. You go and you get the email. And it's just a lot for us to explain to our clients. That's what we were worried about. Not so much our users. They're fairly decent at computers, but we were worried about the clients. So, And that's an extra paid cost from Office 365 is to do encrypted emails. It's very easy uh, to set up, but... It's a little cumbersome to actually use it. So I would be a little leery turning that on if you have clients. Um, if you work for a, uh, basically if you work for a school and you're emailing from one building to the other, uh, it might not be a half bad idea. You could do it there. Or you can maybe teach your students about encrypted emails, which is not a bad idea. But if you're in business and you're doing with, you know, we, we're a worldwide business. So if we're dealing with somebody in Germany or if we're dealing with somebody in the UK or in England, or I guess that is part of the UK, right? Uh, or we're dealing with somebody in Japan or Tokyo, it's really hard to get on the phone and explain to them how to open up that encrypted email. Uh, 
So at this point, we elected not to do that. So that's just our personal, uh, the way we looked at it. So, and that's why we did not do that. So let's talk a little bit. We're going to move from passwords to, we're talk, still talking about security, and we're going to talk a little bit about networks and servers. So what I want to talk to you about is how often, or better yet, how much time should you give to your server or your networking or your firewalls checking the logs? Right, right, that's what you say. Because I know I used to say that. When I ran school districts, I'd be like, excuse me, like, uh, I got 5 billion, 50 million things on my plate. Um, even now, if I'm sitting programming all day and I'm into writing a new software package, so if I'm writing a program, I don't really have time to go and look at those logs, right? So here's my solution. My solution is basically uh, I sell in my schedule one day a week. And it doesn't take long, you know, to go through your firewall logs. Just And you don't have to go line by line. Just see what pops out at you. See if there's anything that just jumps out at you like somebody's trying to hack your server or somebody's trying to get through your firewall or somebody's trying to um, uh, brute force attack your VPN to get in your network. At least kind of get an idea of what those logs look like. And I took a security firewall class one time years ago. And the one thing they always stressed to us is if you don't know what the normal looks like, you'll never know what the abnormal looks like. So grab some of them logs every now and then, sit back with them, give yourself some time, and just go through those logs. Now, I did write this in my note. Um, I know from watching companies over the years, and, and I've watched a lot of companies, and today I even used the example of Target. Uh, Target is a big uh, retail chain here, uh, at least in Pennsylvania, and I imagine pretty much all across the United States. But they actually got hacked one time, and somebody stole all their credit card numbers and all the you know user information and all these different things. And folks, here's why you need to basically check those security logs. Okay, hands down. Who is the first person to leave that company after a major breach? It's going to be you. Yep, it's going to be you. You're the one going to be leaving the company. You're getting fired because they need a scapegoat and they're like, you're out of here. You must not have been doing your job properly. Next, they might go for the COO. They may even go all the way up the chain to the CEO because he wasn't watching you to make sure you were reading those logs and keeping track of what's going on on your network. And I know that's scary and I don't mean to scare you out there by any means. But we have a lot of uh, what I call accidental techies that listen to this podcast. And you kind of get, uh, you know, accidentally get involved in technology. You're really there to be a finance manager. Uh, one time it was an HR person that I ran into when I started with uh, consulting with one company. And they're like, oh, yeah, I run all the servers and everything. I put users on there and I, I create them email account things. And, and that's nice. But, you know, it's an HR person. It's nice they were learning something new. But they didn't know uh, the security part of it. And I said, what kind of firewall do you have? Firewall, we got that Comcast box over there. I said, <laughs> that's, like, that's like a modem, right? That's a router. It's not really a firewall. And they had no dedicated firewall. So that's the kind of stuff you run into. But that's the people also that you want to really help if they reach out to you as a consultant and say, look, 
you know, we don't know what we're doing. We hear about this security stuff. Uh, we're a multi-million dollar corporation. You know, can you maybe show us or guide us of how to do it? Um, another thing I could tell you a little bit about uh, with consulting, I've had a few people email me now and said, Jack, you know, I hear you talking about starting your own company. And they always wanted to start their own company. Uh, how would you go about it? And we'll probably do a whole show about that, about how to go about starting your own company. I've actually helped a couple, like a drywall company start his company, um, a masonry company start his company. So I have a lot of abilities, a lot of knowledge of how to start a company. But the main thing there is if these people call you, you know, make sure you have the expertise to give them the advice. And if you're consulting, I worked for a CEO one time. He said he hated consultants. And I said, but why would you hate consultants? And he said, because uh, all they do is tell you what needs to be done. They don't do anything. Don't ever become one of those type of consultants. The kind of consulting I do is I write up the plan. I'll show you exactly what needs to be done. I'm not going to hold it back from you. You're already paying me at that point for it, right? You're paying me for the discovery mode. So once we discover everything that needs to be fixed, then if you want me to fix it, we will work up the, the prices and the charges for that on top of that. But I'm not going to be a consultant that just hands you a piece of paper and just walk away. Uh, that's, that's not the kind of consulting I like to do. So I'd rather have the client full-time and watch over their network. So. so anyway, yep, I basically put it, I just look overlooking my notes here. Um, there's a better way to do it also. If you have a monitoring system of any kind, I told you before about the PRTG for our network. I kind of love it and I kind of hate it. Here's why I hate it. Sometimes a server can go down in our network and somebody will call me and tell me that something's not working before I get an alert. And I don't like that part of it. I want to be alerted before they notice. I mean, granted, they are working in the program at the time that just locks up so they know something's wrong um, and the alert is not tripped yet to send me an alert to tell me that it's off. But uh, PRTG is just one way of alerting you, but it doesn't alert you of intruders. Uh, you know, you need like an intrusion alert detection system to let you know to alert you. And it can email you, it can send you a text message, whatever it's going to do to help you out. So it's just another way to be able to watch over your network, your firewalls and your servers. Um, let me see where we're at here. Yep, we talked about alerts. Um, and logs are not just for security. Oftentimes, if I'm going through a log, I may find a piece of software giving me trouble. I may find something like a uh, like an automatic um, uh, a task that I may have running that wasn't running properly. Uh, one day, we actually rebooted the server, and I know for some reason, I didn't hard map the uh, network drive. Uh, that my backups were going to. So the server rebooted and the drive letter changed. Well, I had that hard-coded into my script that I was backing up with, with a uh, automatic task. So what happened was it wasn't backing up anymore. And I would have never caught that unless I went to my logs uh, one time that week. And I was looking through them like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I fixed it. I missed like four days of, uh, of SQL backups, but that's four days of snapshots basically is what I missed. Uh, once I got that straightened out, then everything is flowing again, and I'm very, very happy with that. So that's really going well once again. So 
Uh, just remember, it could help you fix up things uh, before they really get out of control. Um, oh, another thing was, um, I just solved an email issue. So, and the way I solved the email issue, I told you that I inherited all these Linux servers, and I'm not the Linux guru, but I told my wife the other day that I'm getting a lot more confident with it. <laughs> I'm understanding uh, there's a lot of applications that run uh, and you'll find those under uh, ETC, right, uh, on on the drive structure, the, the file structure. And if you're looking for logs, you'll find a lot of logs under the uh, uh, the folder or under the uh, directory uh, VAR. So under there, under the VAR directory, uh, I found my, we're using uh, Postfix for email on a Linux server. And I was able to go in and actually pull the logs out and I was checking to see, and what I was looking at, I was building aliases in there. And I had one of the aliases, one of our, like, remove addresses that should be coming to admin, which means I should be receiving those. And when I went to pull that up, I, I wasn't receiving them. And I, I didn't understand why. So I went through the logs, and sure enough, I was able to determine, it said that the database is out of sync with the, the alias list. So what I had to do was actually find a command to rebuild that database. So if you ever have a Linux server, and just remember, if you're doing, uh, you know, aliases with an email on a Linux server, and you add it to your list, you have to run a command to rebuild the database. And I mean, it worked seconds after that. It was absolutely perfect. And I, I just felt like a Linux pro at that point. I mean... I think I did a pretty good job. I was, you know, pat myself on the back. I was all happy and everything. So um, let me see here. But uh, but the other part of it, just remember, you can really, uh, really, really uh, catch, you know, things happening or intruders. Let me minimize my notes here for a minute, see if I can't get this server uh, to pop back up here. Let's see what happens. There we go. I don't know why that's coming back up. All right, so we're going to switch over here. If you're watching the video at 4.2 Technoman on YouTube, we're going to just switch back over for a few minutes. And I'm right now, I'm on a Windows server. Let me minimize me here. All right, get me out of the way. And to look at the logs, click the Start button and go to Windows Administrative Tools. When you're in there, what you're looking for is just simply Event Viewer. So it's just like Windows 10 has an Event Viewer. And there'll probably be very, very few logs in here because honestly, uh, it's a virtual server and I don't do a whole lot with this server. So let's just see here. But you can see over on the side here, or I'm going to tell you uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast, we have under Event Viewer, we have custom views. So we can build our own uh, different views of what we want to see, uh, like Active Directory Domain Server. Right, you can uh, look at all your services. You can look at, uh, and you can see if you see a warning in here, that's where you want to click on it, and you can read the details in the bottom to see what that warning is. What does that warning mean? What I tend to do with my server logs when I'm looking is I go under security, and then I go over to um, filter current log, and what I want to look for here is. I want to look for errors, and I want to look for warnings, and you could even look for critical if you wish to do so. 
and click OK. And there you go. So we have a couple audits here uh, that came up under that. Uh, and it looks like they're just basically warnings. You can see at the bottom what they are. Uh, keyword audits, audit services. Click on details. Uh, it will give you the details. It will break those details out for you. You can export the logs if you want to export those and save those for later. There is some great log readers out there. Not to find some of those for you. Under applications, you can find if you have any trouble with your applications whatsoever, you know, uh, whatsoever. And uh, you can look at the different applications in here. Most of it, if this is information, it's just fine. It's just logging informational stuff for you. And that's absolutely okay. If you go under system, uh, you can see we got some errors in here. So we're going to look. This is going to say did not register with DCOM within the required timeout. All right, so that's not that big of a deal. There's another one. We can click on level here. And if you click on level and sort it, it's actually sorting it out right now. But you can sort, and I like to sort and have all my errors at the top, right? I'm not really worried about the informational anyway. I'm just worried about the errors. Now, once you get a normal um, view down of your event viewer, and, and you kind of know what the normal is, what I like to do to get another good, fresh reading is I clear the log. So I click clear the log. You can save it if you want, and I would recommend save it because then you can compare that against another day to say, hey, is that normal? Because one day of normalcy, you'll never understand. You're not going to know. I can look at a firewall log one day, and I don't know if it was normal five days ago, if it was normal two months ago. So I save a couple of those and save them by date. So just save it and, uh, you know, stick it in a place where you know you're going to keep it there. We'll go under uh, documents. We'll create a new folder called logs. Uh, we'll give it a date of today. Uh, today is November 13th. Uh, log. And we'll just save it. Now, that way that cleared that log out. And you can see here where it writes the event in there when we did it. We cleared the log out. And that's nice because if you're a systems administrator, a network uh, director, or a technology director, that is really super nice to have because if Johnny went in there and cleared all the logs because he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing, you'll at least have a record in here of when that log was cleared, right? So, and he can clear it again. He can clear it again be like, yep, clear it, and it's going to write it again. So there's no way they can get rid of that. You'll know that it happened. And that's really, really important. Um, there's remote desktop services, terminal services. There's uh, forwarded events. There is application and service logs. If you look down through here, uh, DNS server. There's a bunch of DNS information. If you're having any DNS uh, errors or issues, um, I highly recommend that to uh, go in here, even on a Windows machine, on a Windows 10 machine, we've, uh, Windows 8, even 7, whatever you have, but we've even uh, drilled down and found errors with installing software that we were able to go in here and fix. So that is extremely important uh, to understand and be able to go in and work on your logs. So many people I talked to, especially when I worked with a lot of school districts, um, you know, we were able to re-image very, very quickly and um, so 
a lot of the text we got, they would just reimage the machine. It's like, don't do that. Read the log files, get an understanding for it. Or they would go to a machine. This is another thing I always liked here, and I don't want this uh, podcast to get too long on us, but there was another thing I always liked to watch was they would go to a machine and say, oh, well, they would call me up and say, Jack, you know, this machine's running slow. I'm going to reimage it. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Did you even look at the task view? Because we all know if we go to the, the, to the uh, task bar on the bottom, right, uh, and we click on uh, task manager, and they wouldn't do this. They, they said, well, yeah, there's nothing running. You know, there's nothing running in here at all. But I said, click on more details and, and see what's going on. Click on performance and look. You know, is, is the CPU maxing? One day I had it work. I had a CPU maxing at 100%. And what it was, it was an older computer, and it didn't like the, um, the, the antivirus scanning going on, uh, the constant scan, and it maxed the CPU, and, and the girl couldn't use the computer. Uh, memory, you can get a check on your memory usage um, and your Ethernet. Maybe there's something going on with the network. Your computer is doing something off the wall, and their network connection is really slow. You hear that a lot, right? My network connection is really slow. We'll go in here and try to get an idea of what's going on. I mean, that's what these tools are for. They're for us, the systems administration, the accidental techie out there. This is for you to get in here and kind of get an understanding and idea of what is going on with the system. So uh, very, very important uh, to be able to know that. So, all right, let me close that out. Let me close my log file out, and we'll close out the uh, admin tools. All right, let's bring me uh, back up here full screen. And with that said, bring back up my notes. There we go. All right. Let me just uh, bring this up here. I probably should have re-shrunk this now to match here, but I really didn't do that in the beginning. That's okay. I'm a little bit off base today. Well, folks, thank you very much for uh, joining me on this uh, another episode here of 147 of Tips from the Server Room. I do appreciate you being here with me each and every week. Um, I'm really enjoying I'm glad I'm getting back into the groove of doing this show. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun, but uh, I do ask for, you know, your feedback. I do ask for more of your feedback out there. So email me and let me uh, hear from you. If you uh, want to support this show, uh, there's a great way to do so. Uh, all you got to do is go to my website, tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Turn off your uh, ad blocker and you'll see a link. So if you buy anything from Amazon, use that link. You can also go to jackstechcorner.com and there's a donation button on there. So you can click on that and donate whatever you wish to donate to the show. Uh, if you can see the new microphone here, if you look at the video, um, this is the new, uh, we talked about the Rode, um, uh, new microphone from Rode, the Pod Mic. So that is this microphone and that's the kind of stuff that comes from donations. That, the, the mixer, the, uh, the preamp, Anything we need to build this show uh, is is definitely a big, big help, and I always appreciate that. Because um, other than that, pretty much I volunteer to do this show. So um, it's just, you know, it's me sitting here. I do the show notes, and I get everything ready to go. And um, and that's just uh, the way podcasting works. But uh, I do it just to pay it forward. So thank you very, very, very much for listening, subscribing, and downloading to the show please tell all your friends about it and have them come over and listen also or 
check out this video today. Hopefully it comes out uh, and you will see that at 4-2 Technoman or Jack's Tech Corner on YouTube. And uh, you know what? I'll put a link to the video in the show notes with this podcast. So that way you'll see it uh, at uh, tipsfromtheserverroom.com. You'll see the link there. So you'll be able to get to it very, very easily. So folks, I hope you have a good uh, rest of the work week. Um, again, I didn't record. I want to record these shows on Tuesday. Last night we had, uh, I'm also a member of a, a Harley Davidson uh, organization. It's called the Harley's Owners Group, uh, the national or uh, local hog chapter. Myself and my wife are members, so we did have a, a meeting last night, and I didn't get home until really late, so I didn't uh, get a recording out there to you. So it's Wednesday, but I'm here. I wanted to get the show out there to you. Thank you again uh, very, very much, and I will talk to you next week. Keep those networks safe, and get out there and check those logs, and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye for now, everybody. Just listen to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long.